I have a story that I've never told before because it's really kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of embarrassing and it's really personal. And, you know, when we tell stories about ourselves, we always want people to go, wow, that's a great story. I like you better after hearing that story. And I don't know that this is going to be that story. I don't think you're going to like me worse or like me less, but I just... I still want you to think that I'm super cool and super awesome, and this story might change your mind a little bit about that, but we'll see. Okay, now are you hooked? Now are you going to listen to the rest of the podcast? I hope so. Let's get started this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. I appreciate you. It is Sunday. It's the end of January. The days are short, and even though it's kind of warm outside, it's like, okay, we are now a couple of months into wintertime, and we're starting to think about, well, we're not that far away from spring, but at the same time, are you embracing winter at all, or do you sit inside and count the days until you get outside? A friend of mine, Nate, listens to the show. He's a big friend of the podcast. And he and his wife and their daughter, they were out sledding the last couple of days. And Nate was telling me something really interesting. He said, you know, I think if you grew up in Minnesota, you have so many memories of being outdoors in the wintertime and playing hockey and sledding and snowmen and skiing and snowball fights that it's not as painful. So when winter rolls around and you're from Minnesota, you're like, hey, I kind of remember going outside and making a snowman or snowshoeing or sledding or uh, 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 tubing or whatever it is. And so you kind of like wintertime or you're more likely to like it. But if you're like me and you're from Colorado, which, yeah, it is a totally wintertime state. But remember, I didn't ski when I was a kid. I didn't start skiing until I was an adult. I was 20, 19 or 20 years old. Um, and I don't have those memories. I mean, I do a little bit, but I don't like winter. I look forward to spring. But at the same time, we have to kind of embrace it because you can't sit inside and count the days. So what are you doing to embrace the winter? Uh, I went cross-country skiing for five miles yesterday, and not only was it healthy, it was beautiful. And we all know that getting outside is better for our mental state. So I hope you're kind of embracing winter. Uh, Okay, before I get to this story that I want to tell you that's a very personal story, I want to give you a little something that I learned that, you know, the, the podcast is always about what did we learn in our life that I can share with you? And my kids have taught me so much over the years. You know, make time for them. Um, you never know when you're creating a memory with your kid. You never know what kind of shit you're going to say that they will remember and that they will forget. Um, uh, sometimes you say something that stays with your kid forever. Sometimes you say something that you think is going to stay with your kid forever, and it doesn't at all. So I'm going to start off with a story that, um, well, I'm going to tell you that story in a second, but I have a story of something that I learned with my kid, Carson. Okay. Carson's 18. He's living in Boston in the dorm at his college and he loves his roommates, but he doesn't like living in a tiny little dorm. Think of the size of your bedroom and their dorm room with three kids is smaller and it's got a desk and another desk and another desk and all their shit is everywhere. And they're pretty neat kids, but Carson's kind of burnout on living with no privacy. So he's getting an apartment next year. Well, he's getting an apartment with five other, no, 
four other boys for a total of five boys in one apartment. And I said, well, you're probably going to love it. You will have your own bedroom, but if you think you're going to have a lot of privacy, you're really kind of wrong about that. But I said this. I, I said, uh, he texted me the other night, and he said, we got to put a deposit down on this one. He says, can you let me, um, can you um, basically give some of these other boys that don't have the money right now, can you spot them the $500 for the deposit? Or should I spot them the $500 for the deposit? And I said, absolutely not. I said, don't do it. If they don't have the money now, they probably won't have the money later. You and I have talked about this. Don't loan money to somebody because they probably will never have an abundance of money to pay you back. But he said, no, no, no. It's that the banks are closed right now and their moms and dads aren't answering the phone. Can I give them? And I said, no, let them find it because just don't. And then I said, I started to text Carson and say, just be really careful and be cautious and make sure you know what you're signing. And then I stopped myself. And here's why. Even though that's good advice, I always give Carson the be careful advice. And I stopped myself because I thought, you know what? If there's a time in his life for him to fuck up, this is it right now. This is it. I said, get her done. And those were the words that I used. I said, just get it, get her done. Sign it. Get her done. Secure that apartment before somebody else gets it. And the reason I said that is because I always give him cautious warnings. Be careful. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't walk here. Don't walk there. Don't do this. And that's great. And as parents, that we're kind of is what we're supposed to do, right? But at the same time, if you give your kids or yourself just cautious warnings, you're never going to do anything amazing because you'll always talk yourself out of it. Do you think that's true? I worked at a radio station years ago when I was about 27, and um, I, I honestly, the station was not doing well, and they had brought me in to do the morning show hoping that I would spike the ratings up a little bit. Well, you know, we tried our best, and, and um, but the station was so cautious that we would go, yes, let's do this great fun promotion, and but wait, what if it goes wrong? And I think that we do this in life a lot. We go, what if I should go out on this date? I met somebody, and I could take this job, and I should do this. I should host this party. And then we say to ourselves, what if it goes wrong? And it might. So then we decide the more appropriate route is to just not do it. Therefore, we don't have the risk of failure. So going back to Carson, he might sign this. He might get screwed. He might get overcharged. He might whatever. But you're 18. You have plenty of time to recover in your life from a big screw up. So I think that's true. And I would pass that message along to you. You got to take chances. You got to take smart chances. And that is always where wisdom comes in. Is this a dumb chance or is it a smart chance? You might decide, you know what? I'm tired of being broke. I'm going to be the Twin Cities' most successful meth dealer. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a risk. And you could be like, well, Dave, I'm not going to smoke it myself. I'm only going to sell it to people who already want it. Well, okay, but there are so many downs. So you can look at things like that and go, yeah, there's a lot of reward there, but the risk is really, that's what comes with age and wisdom and maybe asking your friends. But I would encourage you to take a chance this week. Take a chance this week on something. Take a chance on a new restaurant. We went to a new restaurant the other night, and it was not very good. And we kind of laughed about it. We said, well, you know what? We won't come back, but you know, at least we're not doing the same thing over and over. 
So take a chance. What is the risk that you're going to take this week, big or small? Maybe you're going to go in and ask for a raise. Maybe you're going to go see a movie that you're not sure of. Maybe you're going to download an app that's $14 and you're not sure you're going to like it, but you're going to do it anyway. What is the risk? Maybe you're going to call somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and you don't know whether they're going to react well. You know what? Take a risk. It might be a really rewarding thing. Okay, point made. So... This is the part where I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable, and I think sometimes that's good. And the reason I do it is not to be gratuitously vulnerable, but instead to kind of eke out a little lesson that I think we can all learn from. And I don't think we've talked about this before because it's a really personal thing to me, and it really kind of affects me to this day. Something happened to me when I was about 23, 24, 25 years old that has stuck with me forever. And I want to talk about that a little bit. First of all, you probably know me. If you listen to the show, I love people that listen to the show. I love it. I feel like people who listen to our show are really kind of like family. And I read somewhere, there was a quote by some actor who said something like, if you don't make connections with people in your life, then life isn't worth living. Well, I mean, some people are just shy and some people don't always make the greatest connections. So I don't know if I would say life isn't worth living, but I get his point. I connect with people who listen to the show like you're my friend. I really do. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy doing this podcast so much because I feel like you and I are sitting down over at, um, I don't know, Fridays. Nah, nobody goes to Fridays anymore. We're sitting down at Noodles and Company, and we're just chatting. And you and I, were just talking, and I really feel that. And I, when I go in to do the morning show, a lot of the time the people who worked at the radio station want to think of listeners as numbers, and they want to think of them as prize pigs. And I've heard people who listen to the radio described as negative things, kind of like if you work at Starbucks, and your customers are a pain in the ass, and they're dirty, and they're rude, you might not think of your customers as the most glorious people ever. I think of people who listen to the show the same way that I literally would think of my cousins, or my aunts, and uncles, and sisters, and nieces, and nephews, and whatever. And I, oh, my computer's telling me something, I don't know what. And I have to remind people at the station, and you would be surprised who I have to remind, that these aren't numbers, these are people. Let's stop treating them like shit. For example, um, uh, okay, if you win a prize on KDWB, we will tell you, we'll send you an email, and you should get this email in about a month with your instructions on how to get the prize. So people will then email because they forget, and they'll say, um, I didn't hear from the, the radio station. What should I do? And then... I will get a message from somebody who says, tell that stupid fuck that they'll get an email and to stop fucking bitching about it. They should be happy that they won a Dave Ryan coffee mug. Now, I'm not pointing fingers at any one person at the radio station, but sometimes that's the attitude, and I don't like that at all because I appreciate you not as a number, but as a listener. So where was I going with this? I'm not even sure, but I okay, I know what it was because I have a real connection with people who listen to the show. But I have a problem connecting with people in person outside of radio. And I am an introvert, and you probably know that. 
And I used to think that being an introvert was a bad thing, and it turns out it's not. It's just the way some of us are made. Some people are very extroverted, and I really admire those people. But I think it's also we're learning it's fine to be an introvert. We're still thinking. Remember, if you know somebody who's shy, they're thinking probably more than most extroverted people. We're just not saying it out loud. So I don't have a ton of friends. I don't have this circle of never, I've never been, I've been on one guy's weekend, two guys weekends in my entire life. And that might seem strange to you and it might seem a little bit sad, but, and it is to me a little bit. I wish I connected with people a little bit more in person to go on a guy's weekend. The only guy's weekend that I've been on was, um, uh, when extreme Jamie worked on the show and he is the most extroverted, wonderful, funny person ever. And he was like, Dave, we're taking some guys up skiing. We're going to Lutz and we're getting a condo. We're going Friday, coming back on Sunday. We want you to come. Okay, great. I came and it was fun, but we went two years in a row and I had a bad experience on the second year and I never went again. And here's the bad experience. Um, and the guys were all great and they were all very funny and friendly. But the second year that I was there, the guys would go into town and they would meet girls and bring them back and they would, you know, make out and get drunk or whatever. And you know what? I was married. I was older. I would, you know, go to bed. So one night when I was there um, at about two o'clock in the morning, a couple of the guys came back to the condo and they were drunk and they had picked up some girls and they brought them to come in and wake up Dave Ryan. So there I am sleeping in the top bunk in a, in the, in one of the rooms and they shook me awake and they're like, Dave, wake up. Somebody wants to meet you. And I'm like, what? Huh? And there was these two girls and they're like, Oh my God, it's Dave Ryan. Oh my God. Hi. And this is the days before selfies. So nobody said, let's get a picture or whatever. And, Remember, I'm there in my underwear in the bed, and uh, and I was really, and I said, that's really fucking rude. And the guy that did it got really pissed off at me, and he was mad at me for the rest of the trip. And I was mad at him for the rest of the trip. So that was a bad experience, and I never wanted to go on Boys Weekend again with these guys. But that's not even the story that I was going to tell you. Here's the story, and this is one of those things that's very... I don't know. It's probably too much information. But again, there's something that we can learn from it. And here we go. So when I was 24 or so, 25, I was growing and, you know, developing. And I thought that I was getting better at being, you know, social and learning how to deal with people and going out to clubs and going out and partying, whatever. And so one night the radio station had like kind of a formal dinner in a hotel room or a hotel, a, like a ballroom. And there was like 40 or 50 or 60 or of us, whatever. And I was at a table with like eight other people, you know, one of those big round tables in a hotel ballroom. And I'm there with some of my buddies from the radio station. And I'm just, you know, we're not best friends, but we don't go to each other's houses or anything, but we're laughing and we get along and, and I'm cracking jokes and I'm having a good time. And I'm thinking to myself, I remember clearly thinking, I'm getting really good at this socializing thing. I'm getting really good at being around a group of people and being entertaining and being fun to be around. And that was my thought until this happened. One of the guys that worked at the radio station, one of the other DJs and the nicest guy in the world, 
he looked at me kind of funny sideways and he said, Dave, you're acting really weird tonight. Now imagine how that hit me. Because here I thought I was being a lot of fun and funny and really socially lubricated and having a great time. And one of the guys that I liked, not liked, but liked, was friends with at the radio station, um, he basically shot it all down and said, you're just weird. And that stuck with me so much. That was a long time ago. Like I said, I was 25. I have not been 25 for a long time, but I've never forgotten that. So now when I am in a social situation, if it's a radio station party, that's fine. That's a totally different thing. If it's like I'm out on like the brunch cruise or whatever, I have a great time talking to people, everybody, and I don't feel ill at ease at all. But when I do something like if I go to the boss's house for a party or I go to the neighbor's house for a party, I have learned just hang back. I've learned not to try to be too funny, not to talk too much, because I got rejected that night when I tried to. Does that make sense? And that shit stays with you forever. And I know it shouldn't. I'll give you one more story about that, then we'll go over why this is important to remember or how it affects people. My grandma was very shy, very shy. And she died when I was about 15 or so, and she was a lot older, but she was very loving, and we used to play Scrabble together, and and she would buy me fireworks when I would come to visit her, and she was just so awesome. Um, but she was very shy, very shy and very quiet, and she said it's because when she was about five years old, her mother had a friend over to visit. And you can almost picture this, you know, here's you know, these two old ladies or two moms that are probably at the time 30 or so years old, but this was a very long time ago. You can picture them sitting there in their parlor, probably sipping tea and having whatever. And then my grandma said that she was showing off. She was showing off and trying to be silly. And I don't know what that means she was doing, but she was being silly and she was talking a lot and she was being silly and trying to get the attention of her mom and this other lady. And her mom looked at this little five-year-old girl who was my grandma and said, will you be quiet? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Wow. You wouldn't think that would stick with anybody, but it stuck with my grandma. And for the rest of her life, she had it in her mind that nobody really wanted to hear what she had to say. And no matter how much logically she knew that wasn't true, and no matter how much we loved her, and she had a big family. She had six kids, and each of those kids had like six more kids, so she had a ton of grandkids, and everybody loved her, and, and she was great. But she still filtered everything she said through that phrase, will you be quiet? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say anyway. Isn't that terrible? So what's the lesson here? I think there's two. I think one lesson is be careful what you say to people. Be careful. You might think that you're being constructive. You might think that you're being honest. You might really fuck this person up for a long time, especially if they're your kids. So be careful what you say. You know, if you know somebody at work and you know that nobody likes them and you get mad at them because they cut in front of you with the printer or whatever and you say, you know what? Nobody likes you anyway. Ouch. 
There's another example really quick. A listener was trolling us and he was writing shit about us and texting shit about us and whatever. So I texted him back. We have the texting down at work, the KDWB one. And um, so I said, you know what? You seem to me like just a lonely troll without a lot of friends and without a lot to do. And you're just trying to get some attention. He wrote us an email and he said, you're right. I am so lonely. I don't have any friends. I spend all of my time alone. And it's eerie how you picked up on that. And uh, and I'll bet that kind of stuck with him. And I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to be like, screw you. But it turned out I really hit a nerve. So if there are two lessons, number one lesson would be be careful what you say. Remember on the show the other day, I said there's a reason why we have a mouth and a brain. We can think things without spewing them out of our mouth. So if you think... Nobody likes you. You can think it, but you don't have to say it. If you think, you know what? You're such a bitch. No wonder your husband cheats on you. <laughs> is an example off the top of my head. Um, think it, but don't say it. Or you're so high maintenance, you're never going to get a girl to marry you. Think it, but don't say it. Second, I am not an expert in this, but if that lives in your mind somewhere that your dad told you you were stupid or your mom told you you were worthless somehow and I don't know how you got to let those thoughts go there's a chapter in my book that said something like beware of bullshit thoughts that hold you back and I told that story about my grandma and maybe you've heard it before because it's one of my favorite stories not because it's a cute funny story but because there's a lot of lessons to learn in there so let go of those thoughts that hold you back that you're not good enough that you're not handsome or attractive or beautiful enough or you're not old enough or you're not young enough that's a big one right there i'm too i'm too old i'm not young enough to do that anymore so try to get rid of those bullshit thoughts that hold you back okay i hope that helps you and I hope you still like me after telling you that a lot of the time I don't bond with people um, because of this thought in my head. And I'm guilty of it, just like I'm talking to you about not being guilty of it. Uh, okay, let's see if there's anything else. We're moving on to emails. Uh, and my um, computer is talking to me again. Let me open up, uh, open up emails and because uh, we got a few. Uh, here's one from Heather last week on the podcast. I had said something like, Hey, find somebody who did something amazing for you and changed your life and thank them. And I talked about how I was happy that I thanked my old broadcasting instructor, Don Dexter, because he passed away a year and a half ago. And I was glad that five or so years ago, I got to thank him and I will always be happy that I thanked him. So I encourage you to go thank somebody and uh, and let me know how that went. So this is a, a an email from Heather. And Heather, I'm going to read probably your entire email, although I will warn you, it is a little bit long, but I think it's really good. Dave, I thought about how I'm going to go write this email several times. I have so much to share with you that I feel you would love to hear, and I'll try to summarize it in the best way I can. Here's the thing, though. I didn't think I'd be writing this email to you for at least a couple of years from now, or not at all, let me explain. First of all, I'm a huge fan of you, your morning show, and especially your podcast. I look forward to every new episode, and it's always my priority to listen to it before anything else. This was true with your latest episode, and you gave assignments out to reach out to a person that has had an impact on your life in some sort of way. You said you should never wait to tell somebody how much they meant in your life for the risk that one day it might be too late. 
This is the reason I am writing this to you because it's actually you that changed my life, or at least your influence is hopefully one day going to change it. So here's the story. I have struggled for years searching for something that I'd be happy to be doing with the rest of my life. I filtered through several career options, including but not limited to veterinarian, car mechanic, EMT, nurse, orthodontist. Overall, I could just never picture myself being happy in any career path that I was considering, and it led me to pretty bad depression. I became seriously scared that I would spend the rest of my life a job hopping and getting stuck with a job that I hated to hated just to pay the bills, like my parents. I didn't want to be that person, but I feared that it was going to become just that. I have since switched jobs, but prior to that, for over a little year, a little over a year, I was working in a warehouse where you get a lot of time to yourself, where you don't interact, you spend your day in a corner, isolated. This obviously gave me a lot of time to think, um, and I would feel like my life was a waste of time because I wasn't doing anything significant. Through this, I used the radio to distract myself. I worked an early morning shift starting at 5.30, so I listened from start to tail into your morning show for over a year. After that, I would wait anxiously, refreshing my podcast app for the Minnesota Goodbye and I became a huge fan. I remember seeing you at the State Fair this past summer and turning to my boyfriend beside me and freaking out. I was so nervous about meeting you and, for whatever reason, worried about what you'd think of me. So I never walked up to say hi. I realize how dumb that sounds now. Stop there for a minute. I, I get it. I don't think of myself that way at all, but when you have a chance to meet someone you do kind of get self-conscious. What are they going to think about me? I remember somebody met George Harrison from the Beatles, and he wasn't sure what to say, what to call him. What do you call George Harrison? George seems, hi, George, seems too personal and informal. Mr. Harrison seems too formal, and he was a Beatle, so do you mention the fact that he was a Beatle? And George Harrison walks up, and before this guy could figure out what to say, and how to address him, he said, nice to meet you, Borge. <laughs> that cracks me up. And George Harrison looked at him and smiled and nodded because George Harrison had probably seen it all in his career. Nice to meet you, Borge, which is kind of a screwed up combination between uh, Beetle and George. And uh, wow, how embarrassing is that? So I get it. But next time you see me come up, um, she goes on to say, over time, looking forward to listen to the morning show became the only reason to get me up in the mornings. And it was the only thing that made me smile when nothing else could. I discovered your podcast shortly after and ordered your book and I read it cover to cover in a week. And I can't wait for the sequel in an older podcast. You mentioned that if anybody wants their book signed, reach out. And I did just that. Instead of some half-assed response, you sent me a very nice email and you actually invited me down to the studio to meet you and get my book signed in person. Uh, this is going to sound totally dramatic, but meeting you was one of the best moments of my life thus far. You gave me a tour around the place, showed me the studio where you do your show, and even let me sit in your chair. I couldn't stop smiling the entire time. Any nerves that I had prior to meeting you completely melted after how welcoming and warm you were. Well, remember, it goes back to saying, I relate to people who listen to the show so much. You're like a friend. This is the day that changed my life. I got into the elevator to leave, and I kid you not, like clockwork, the ele elevator beeped. And I thought to myself, I want to work here. Doesn't that sound crazy? 
I know. I thought it did too till I really started to think about it. I pictured myself behind the scenes producing a show and helping people like you out to be the best you can be. I imagine myself voicing over radio commercials for a reputable brand, maybe even nabbing a spot on the station and introducing the next hour of commercial-free music. I could see it vividly, and it got me excited. Since then, I reached out to another popular producer of another morning show I'm a fan of. I basically told him the same story, and he has helped me tremendously since. He's given me names in the industry to reach out to for advice and training. I've taken voiceover classes to strengthen my voice and delivery, and I'm also working on my audio editing skills on some computer programs, and I'm going to a voice acting expo in February. I'm chasing this dream, and I hope it comes true. I want this. Heather, before I forget to say it, stay in touch with me, and we'll see if there's a way I can help you. We just laid off a ton of people, so we're not hiring at KDWB, but um, you never know. You never know. Somebody will leave, and somebody will need to fill that position. So she concludes, this is the last paragraph. I was going to wait until I actually went somewhere with this career um, uh, to email you and tell you the story. I figured there really wasn't any point if it's still a dream until I heard your latest podcast. I'm hoping you get some value to the story and it makes you smile and also makes you realize, if you have not already, the overwhelming positive impact you've had not just on my lives, but life, but on lives across the Twin Cities and across the country, I'm sure. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I really hope to get somewhere one day in this career and you are to thank for giving my life some hope again. Keep doing what you're doing because you're amazing. And I hope to get you get to meet you again someday from Heather. Heather, that is so nice. And reading that feels like I'm so busy patting myself on the back and congratulating myself. And that's really not what I want to do at all. Um, uh, I just wanted to say, Heather, thank you for reaching out. It does mean a lot to me. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we do change lives. And I don't mean we DJs. I mean you and me. Heather, I know you have changed some lives, either on a big scale or on a small scale. And I know that you, listening to the podcast, you know you've changed lives. And this has kind of been a recurring theme in the last couple of months, hasn't it, on the podcast, when you know you've changed a life and you love so much to hear from that person and it hurts so much when you know you've changed it and they show no gratitude at all. It's kind of like raising a kid who is a spoiled little shit and treats mom and dad like, like shit. And we see that sometimes. And it's like, wow, how can you be so disrespectful to the mother or the father that has done so much for you? Hey, next week I think we'll talk about how, I notice a trend here, I'm going to write this down, how people who earn their success appreciate it so much more. I'm going to write this down now. People who earn their success. Hold on. I'm writing this down. Their success. And the reason I noticed this is because I've worked with people who have walked into KDWB, one of the biggest radio stations in the country, and they've gone on to bigger and better things. And they think that they did it all on their own. And they basically had the biggest support system that you can imagine at KDWB. And, uh, and they go on to think that they're hot shit. And it's like, well, wait a second. Where would you be without a vehicle like KWB? And my point is, if you take somebody who has worked and stayed up late and gotten up early and worked and worked to make their career what it is, they know they're not special. They know they got there because of hard work. But you take somebody who stumbles into a great situation and everybody around them 
works to make everybody look good, they all of a sudden start to think, shit, I have some sort of magic about me. Look at how far I have come in such a short time, and they're forgetting all the work that people have done around them, so they start to get cocky. And that's why a lot of new artists in music are kind of shitty because they haven't really earned it. They were plucked out of somewhere. They were made to think that they are something special, and now they're on the Grammy Awards thinking they're something special, and now they treat people like shit. Now, I don't know anybody exactly like that, but I'm sure that there are. I, mean, I do. I'm not going to name any. Okay. I was going to read some more emails, but we'll save some for next week. Um, and I appreciate you listening to the show. Um, send me feedback to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Check out the book. It is, of course, called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, Don't Steal Anything. Um, there was a story I was going to tell you about that the other day because I was going to be late for work. And I was like, I can't be late for work because that's part of my thing is don't uh, show up on time. Anyway, so uh, that's the book. It's also on Kindle. Uh, we have a Facebook page. And it doesn't get a lot of action, but it's always there if you want to comment. So it's uh, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Have a great week. Remember, I appreciate you. All that stuff that I said earlier about pre appreciating you and feeling somehow a bond with you, even though we might have never met, it really is true. You are one of the most important things in my life, one of the most important parts of my life, and I really mean that. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on Take a Shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything.